0: guys i'm chris and i'm mike and welcome back to this week's no limits a mitch Rapp podcast so how
1: you doing this week mike hey i'm good i want to hear about you though are you in the uh the mobile command center the suburban again this week or are you in the warm comfy house unfortunately i am not in the mobile command center that is in pennsylvania
0: i'm back in virginia had to go to work this week so yeah, but someone
1: thought our mobile command center sounded good. He liked the sound. Someone special, very important to this podcast. Kyle, he tweeted at us. He he liked the sound of the suburban. I don't know. Maybe you were onto something, Chris. Maybe
0: he also said that we did a lot of thinking about enemy at the states. <laughs> so that maybe too much thinking. enemy at the gate. Yeah, that yeah, we did. The that gates. we did.
1: Speaking of enemy, I got a question for you. It's been two weeks since the title announcement. Do you think we're getting the cover in the next few weeks? Do you think do you think we'll have it by the end of the month? I hope so. I mean I hope so you, too. Based on the track record of the other ones, it
0: should be coming soon, if not late February, early March. So we'll see. Yeah,
1: we gotta be close. Gotta be close. Well, uh, you guys know, the listeners, you will definitely get our thoughts, and uh, we'll put in our two cents on the cover once it drops. Definitely. So just here at the top, we need to say, uh,
0: please, if you could, subscribe, rate, and review us using your favorite podcasting platform. Saying that here really help us to grow this uh, podcast. And also, please, if you haven't already, uh, sign up for our No Limits email updates. Just go to mitrappod.com. Also, this episode is coming out on President's Day. So, happy President's Day, everybody. And in honor of President's Day, you know, that Teespring merch is flying off the shelves. So, we wanted to do a little something special for you. And uh, everyone can have a 15% off coupon code to get your Mitchrap Pod gear. The special code is Alexander. So, for President's Day, had to go That's President's fitting. Alexander, our newest president in the Mitch Rapp series, and,
1: uh, you know... We meet him in this Longest-running
0: president, I think.
1: That's right. Yeah. We meet him in this book, Act of Treason, too. So, it's a good time for this episode to come out on President's Day. Yes, only fitting, yes.
0: So, yeah, let's just go right
1: in. What are we covering today, Mike? Yeah, we're going to be covering Act of Treason, part one. Going roughly up until the halfway point, which would be about, did you say chapter 26, 27 or so, somewhere in there? 25, 26, yeah, something like that. 25. So there's, yeah, I think there's 55 chapters. Um, We're going to be covering that. It's a shorter book, yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but we also get much longer chapters in the beginning. A lot of detail and expose on the background and what's been going on. Really extended prelude even. I think 30 pages or so.
0: Yeah, I I do most of these by audiobook now, um, mm-hmm. just because of time. And I'm used to like being you know ten, eight, anywhere between like seven and twelve minute chapters. And like the prelude was like thirty some minutes. And George yeah. Bedell like reads pretty fast, but I was just like, wow, this is this is a long prelude. Uh, I think we're gonna get into that in, in a little bit.
1: Yeah, we'll get into that. And um, a theme that really runs throughout this book that we're gonna Keep coming back to is the devil in the details, or yes. in this case, the assassin in the details. A lot of the plot, both the assassin and what he does, but also rap and his unraveling of the, the assassin's uh, plans, really comes down to paying attention to the small details, running down every lead, trusting your people. And so we're going to keep coming back to this idea of devil in the details, how Vince is really. Queuing in and closing in and focusing, um, in a really narrow way. After we just finished two of his maybe biggest scope books, widest uh, net that he throws in Memorial Day, Consent to Kill, and all the different places that takes us and places it takes Rap and his emotions and his relationships. We're kind of narrowed in and focused in here. Rap just doing what he does best, hunting down terrorists. So yes.
0: All right. So before we get into that, we always like to go to our source, Goodreads. Take it however you want to. And for this one, uh, Active Treason is coming in a little bit lower than our last couple at a 4.28. Still pretty good. And the Goodreads summary goes like this. It's a gorgeous autumnal day in Georgetown. The Democratic candidate for president and vice president of the United States are dutifully glad-handing voters and the media outside a grand estate where a national security conference has just been held. Bringing together the world's greatest mind to discuss the issues that are threatening the country. It's America's politicking at its best. That's when all hell breaks loose. When presidential candidate Joshua Alexander's motorcade is ambushed by a group of terrorists, the nation is thrown into turmoil. Two weeks following the attack, Alexander is carried to victory by a sympathy vote, but his assailants have not been found. On the surface, it appears to be the work of al-Qaeda despite the tremendous job that the U.S. and her allies have done eliminating terrorist cells within the heart of America. While the FBI and the rest of the government begin scouring the world for jihadists, CIA CIA Director Irene Kennedy and Special Agent Skip McMahon are presented with classified information so toxic that they consider destroying it altogether, as it contains intelligence pointing to some of the most powerful players in Washington. Enter Mitch Rapp, the one-man... Reckless enough to follow the evidence To its explosive conclusions This journey takes him through the shadowy world Of contract killers into the darkest Corners of the globe and eventually Back to Washington where the Fragile pillars of power are shaken to their Core
1: Short book but not a short summary
0: Right there That is a very I don't know It was a good summary Very long Long winded very long winded (laughs)
1: Might not be the best. I think the book was more enticing than that might make it sound, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. We'll get into it. We'll get into it.
0: I want to follow up on what you just said with uh, right before the Goodreads section, talking about this theme and the idea of uh, details. And I couldn't help but thinking when I was reading this book, the fact that we just came off, like you said, these two... I don't know, I want to call them epic tomes of Memorial Day and Consent to Kill. Like you said, I looked at the book. It's much smaller, 55 chapters. And then, as I said, I I do audiobooks. So, like, Consent to Kill, I think, was like 16 and a half or almost 17 hours. This one comes in about 11 hours. So I knew right at the the gate that it was going to be a much shorter book. I think Vince was doing this on purpose. Mm. It felt very purposeful, this idea of, Let's pare it down. We just went big, back to back. We went very in depth. Yeah. You know, we went through this whole emotion of turmoil in the last book. Let's do something different. I, I felt like this book yep. was trying to do something a little bit different. And yeah, it's we we were talking about how we're hitting a stretch of books where I don't really remember. And I'm a big yes. Mitch rep fan, but I I don't quite remember the all the details of the books like I have from. These first couple ones uh, that we've or we've done more than a couple, but you yeah. know, like this one, protect and defend uh, extreme measures. Like I, once I read them, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember reading this. But the only thing that really stuck out to me was actually the prelude uh, and like what happens in it. And I don't know why that is, because this book is, I like it. It's it's a very good book. Like what, what just right off the bat, like your first impressions of the book.
1: Yeah. I'm 100% with you. I knew coming into this reread that there was a stretch here that I felt unsure about if I recalled all the specifics. But as soon as I read the prelude, I'm like, oh, the motorcade hit. Of course. Yeah, I remember. That's what ACT was. And then I was like, wait, that all just happened in the first 20, 30 pages. And that's all I remember from ACT was the presidential motorcade gets hit. I didn't even remember it was the president-elect's motorcade. I thought it was Alexander after he was sworn in. Right. And then I remember someone important dying. Uh, I thought it was one of the candidates or or VP candidates, but it turns out it was... His wife. Yeah, I kind of forgot that a little bit. So all that being said, I wasn't sure how I was going to get into the book and and engage with it. I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I I was going to ask, and maybe this will come out more once we finish recapping it. I think it's going to fall middle of the pack in all rap books. Like for one that I forgot, I was a little nervous. It was going to fall towards the bottom, but this might be a dark horse for, you know, making its way to the middle of the pack, you know, and maybe the top half, even I I really enjoyed it uh, upon reread. And then I remember we get Stu Garrett back at right. some point, you know, our friend from term limits. That was the one thing once on reread that I'm remembering like, Oh, yep. Stu Garrett, like, come back.
0: Cause I, Yep. he, He's in term limits, right? Yep. And yep. then we don't see him again. We don't. So I and if you didn't read term limits, like if you only read the Mitra, he's books, just a new character. He's again. a new yeah. character to
1: you. Yeah. I remember though in term limits when Mike Nance gets caught, and who else were they working with? Arthur. There was Higgins. one other in the, Arthur Higgins. You know, he gets brought down. I remember this one scene, and Stu doesn't get taken out. Right. And he's kind of left to go and operate, and I'm and you know do what he does in the background. And I remember thinking like, that's funny. Everyone else is like eliminated.
0: Stu wasn't. I, I thought like, obviously Raps not there, but I thought Kennedy or Stanfield was like, You'll, you're never going to work like in this town again. Yeah, exactly. And, and obviously enough time had passed, or
1: you know, I, I don't know. I don't know well, why. Well, he's tempting fate. He's tempting fate yeah. because no, he's so he's an egomaniac.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: that makes sense so, that, f- that wait, fits his character
0: I, I totally agree with you that this is I, I wouldn't I don't know if I would put it in the top tier like the, the top third but definitely it's at the certainly the not, yeah. top end of the middle the middle third for me
1: exactly yeah and I guess we'll get to that in the in part two next week yeah. where we actually rank it <laughs> yeah. let's do. let's dig into the plot though so we open up with the motorcade being hit We we get a new character agent Rivera of the Secret Service and she is really proud and hardworking that she's been promoted to the presidential detail. And before the the transition, that is protecting the president elect. And you know she's great at her job. Get really good backstory of how she worked up the ranks. She proved it, and she's going to be the first leader of a presidential protect a female leader of a presidential protective detail. However, there's a little friction with a couple of her agents they're very tired of being on the road and part of that's because who they're protecting have been a pain in the ass and um we know that is ross ross was picked by josh alexander to be the running mate and ross of course is the director of national intelligence that we've kind of grown to hate almost hate as much as hank clark over the last couple of books so what do you think of hearing that he is now he's going to be vp soon
0: yeah looking back on it right in consent to kill that whole second act is like trying to find these um the killers so we never really get back to the whole ross mixing like the whole like ross scenes from the first part of the book we don't ever like really really touch that again and in my mind i'm thinking like oh we definitely see ross again and then we read this we read this book and then first right off the bat he got tabbed to be the vice presidential vice presidential candidate and we get joshua alexander who just reading total power last year he's still around played a, still around played a huge part i think I've, we both mentioned on that pod that we quite like alexander yeah and i think you see here especially in this novel that why we liked him you know like he has these aspects and i don't think he's like truly he didn't know although his wife was cheating on him didn't play a hand in trying to get rid of her i don't know it's to me bringing back ross was like vince wanted to sort of tie up some loose ends along with bringing
1: back Stu garrett right i like how and why ross comes back though alexander is the front runner for the democratic party and he's going to you know, replace Hayes and run on the ticket. But one thing holding him back for the Democrats is his experience on national security. And for that reason, the party figures out that he's going to need a running mate who could garner some of those middle of the road votes or even like take a few votes from the right and from the other side by being strong on national security. And so Ross, the director of national intelligence that Hayes appointed, would be a great pick to show the voter base that you have that experience in in that field, because Alexander didn't. And so a little bit more on Alexander, actually. Let me read this quote, because this is the first time we meet him. And like you said, he's been through, boy, it must be, what, nine, eight or nine books, maybe 10 that he's been with us. So here's the first introduction we get of him. And I quote, Alexander, the up and coming star of the Democratic Party was governor of Georgia, The old white men who ran the party had finally got it through their heads that a northeast liberal was simply unelectable. Their only real chance of winning was to draft a southern governor who believed in Jesus Christ. This way, they could split the Bible Belt and steal enough red states to win it all. Alexander was the obvious choice. He was handsome, smart, and polished. And his wife's family had a lot more money than most third-world countries. His only drawback was his relative youth. At 45, he was deemed a touch green and definitely weak on foreign affairs. His early polling numbers suggested that people weren't even sure if he was a strong enough leader in the war on terror. He was one with black hair and the tan skin of a low-handicap golfer. He was polished in that Southern televangelist sort of way. His suits were always a bit shinier than everyone else's, his hair a bit longish and perfectly styled, and his teeth a few shades too white.
0: When you're reading that, do you, do you feel like Vince is trying to set this up that we're going to like this guy
1: or not like this guy? I think he's dropping a hint that he's going to be on our side, that he's actually making an effort to show his weakness, that even if he's not as tough on national security and therefore, you know, RAP and Irene might take a backseat or those kinds of services, we at least know he's aware of that and trying to make up for it. And I also think he doesn't just say he's a straight-up politician because when Vince introduces a politician, I feel like the language is so strong and descriptive that they're a sleazeball. That right. you know, remember when we met in the beginning of term limits, the first guy Coleman takes out—he oh, was yeah, some yeah, fat yeah, cat yeah. senator. I remember getting just three pages of this guy would go to parties, he'd sleep with women, he'd be loose with alcohol. You know, he's cheating on everybody, he's thrown right. away money. In bed, you know, with all the um, lobbyist groups, he's taking money from them. I feel like when Vince wants to set up a character for that persona, he's going to hit us with it. So I think this is a very middle of the road. Alexander's green. He's going to take some working. He's going to have to be worked in and massaged in, but that he's someone we can work with.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I feel like it's almost like a a blank slate that maybe he didn't know how the character of Alexander was going to go. You know, oh, maybe yeah. he could be a villain in the future, maybe, or or he could be like what we've seen throughout the novels, uh, uh, an ally yeah. of Rap. He, he's grown to trust Rap, especially in Kyle's books. I feel like him and Rap are, have a pretty close connection, similar to what uh, Hayes and uh, Rap
1: have, so. That's true, which all of this is interesting because we talked about the long prelude and the hit on the motorcade, Chapter 1 opens with Kennedy questioning her career and what she's she going to do. You think she's going to be fired, yeah, because Ross is going to be president and he's always had it out for her. And she's even thinking like, do I ask Hayes for a pardon? And we get the seed planted that the in this transition period, which look at what we just had last month, you know, happening here today, during this transition period, who's going to get pardons? Who should get a pardon? because of political posturing who will be put on the list or taken off the list. And the CIA director is saying, if someone wants to go through my past and really dig in, they can find some stuff. Should I contemplate asking for a pardon or, or pursuing that as a way to insulate myself? If I do have to get out and jump ship or I get fired, are they going to investigate me? And Ross and Stu Garrett, they'd love to do that. Right. Exactly. So,
0: so, you mentioned this long prelude, um, and I almost feel like in a previous book, this prelude would be multiple chapters because we don't often see within the maybe once in, within a chapter do we go back and forth between two different settings, two different characters, but multiple times do we jump from Ross to Rivera, and then to this new player, or a villain in in this novel, Gazich, Gabriel Gazich, right, or at uh, does he go, is he going by Dekas at the at this point? Oh, Anyways, Alexander Deccas is his um, his alias, uh, alias right? His civilian right. alias, yeah. So we have at least three to five different perspectives, and normally I feel like that would be five chapters. And we were discussing before the pod that if you did that, if you did have those as five chapters, then you wouldn't actually see a rap until chapter seven. <laughs> and I right. feel like they maybe it was like that and then someone came in and was like yeah you can't have rap show up in chapter seven show up that late yeah if you make this all into one prelude rap's only coming in at chapter three people won't get angry about that i don't know maybe maybe it's just like me overthinking it but I, i just it's very interesting the fact that we get this huge long scene from multiple different perspectives in this i don't know probably one of the longest
1: chapters in in this whole entire series and we're we'll get to Rap's first scene where he's really operating and how he comes back. Uh, do you want to get into that or do you wanna talk about the actual hit on the motorcade? Because the devil in the details, it's really gonna matter, the small nitty-gritty details of the hit. Yeah. You no, do let's, that? Talk, let's talk about the the hit first. Yeah. So basically you've got this guy Gazic, who is a hired hand. We don't know From Serbia who hired him. Yeah, he's a former Yugoslavian. He was basically an assassin, you know, throughout that entire region. Vince even writes, and I quote, That was when Gazich turned his crosshairs from wild game to man for the first time. In certain ways, he found hunting man less of a challenge. In other ways, he found it more exhilarating. Kind of makes me think a little bit of The Most Dangerous Game, that short story, you know, of hunting other humans and the thrill of it which was an inspiration for Savage Sun and Jack Carr's uh, third novel. So a little bit of that kind of feel going on with Gazic being an assassin. He's hired for one of the most thrilling kills in his life. And he doesn't know who hired him, but he, he wants to pull it off perfectly. And he, basically his two thrills are long shot sniper kills, which he's trained for or explosions. And he basically decides a high-profile hit in D.C. We're going with the explosion. They choose their timing. So the presidential motorcade is leaving Dumbarton Oaks, which, my old neighborhood, is in North Georgetown. They call it Georgetown in the book. It's, it's a little closer to maybe I would call it Glover Park on Wisconsin yeah, a a Avenue. Little, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And so where the motorcade goes pulls out of this national security conference, which, again, is Alexander trying to score brownie points, saying, Hey, I'm participating in a national security conference. Well, when the motorcade comes down, I believe it's P Street, and they make a right onto Wisconsin Avenue. And it's right a block short of the Safeway in Glover Park, North Georgetown, which is right near an old school I used to work at. Hardy Middle School is on the other side of the street. Right. So this is a block very familiar to me. And I could just imagine the motorcade making this right turn. And Gazich has a detonator. He's wearing a red Nats cap, he just got a Starbucks across the street, ordered double espresso, details that are going to be very important in a minute, and he decides to shield himself from the blast, hiding behind a wide oak tree. While Agent Rivera, in charge of the detail, makes the turn, right as they turn out of the corner of her eye, she sees someone who looks suspicious. And And it's really cool, you know she's great at her job because she says, quote, their concern was the nutbag. Their fear was the professional. The nutbag, they could detect. They were the ones with wild eyes, dirty fingernails, and unkept hair. Occasionally, they were women, but mostly they were men. Fidgety, nervous men, who paced back and forth. They were, for the most part, mentally ill, which made them somewhat sympathetic, but no less lethal. The professional was an entirely different matter. The lone man who was cool enough to act, completely normal, Right up until the moment he pulled out a gun and blew her candidate's brains out all over the sidewalk. That was why she stayed close. So when she sees that red hat hide behind the tree, planted the seed that she's like, oh shit, that's a professional. And a split second later, she was right. They go up in flames. Yeah,
0: and I guess to circle back slightly, so we had this whole scene where Rivera... Gets this word that oh they're leaving this thing, and president or not he's not quite president elect, but the presidential candidate's wife wants to go back to the hotel, and she tells this secret service agent who is very edgy when she tells him like why are you putting me on this like trying to it's this foreshadowing of like oh this is this is going to mean something in the future and we'll find out why um, agent cash agent right. cash are, are supposed to ride together in in this limo. And they end up being the ones who are in the limo that gets hit because right before the explosion, Gazic finds out, oh, you need to take out this one, not the other one. Yeah. And it's all these little little details that are gonna come out later on because Gazic thinks that he's hired to kill the president. And right, right, he only he only gets paid Is it like two a million dollars or two two million dollars? So think about that, right? And he says, Oh yeah, that's that's a great price for uh like a very that's but think about the last novel, right? Yeah.
1: Rap was how much? <laughs> Rap was like a couple, like 10 million or 15 million almost, right? Yeah. I think Abel was going to get upwards of 15, 20 million and the Goulds for actually carrying it out were going to get seven or eight million. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And so here's a $2 million hit that he thinks is a lot. For the for president. The presidential candidate. Like, that's crazy. Not, not even the president. The presidential candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think elected was... at this point. I think it's after the election.
0: No, no, no. That's no. why he wins because he loses his wife. Remember? You're right. That's right. They're they're down in the he's polls. A
1: candidate. Uh, he's the candidate, and then it's a pity That's vote right, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It the explosion turns the tide, and they actually win because of it. Yes. That's right. That's right. Once again, all these details that play such a central role of how Irene and Rap and crew. Well, really, actually, Rap, because Irene's hands are tied elsewhere. Really, Rap and Marcus are going to track everything down with all these little details that Agent Rivera recalls. It's almost in that sense, did you get this? As I think about it, it's kind of more like a murder mystery novel. It's like an Agatha Christie, almost a whodunit in the sense of it's not a whodunit where we don't know who done it. Although it's it's a whodunit of who's behind it and a whodunit in the sense of all the clues were there. It just took this omniscient perspective to step back and look at the the details, because while this is happening, Skip meeting with Irene and he's been in charge of the investigation, but he's going nowhere. You know, there's a theory that Agent Rivera thought she saw someone in a red hat who might be suspicious, but the FBI doesn't track it down because that's nothing to go off of. But again, that's the clue for someone like Rap, who is so attuned, and you know his spidey sense, like you said last time, is going off. So he has Marcus follow up the red hat, which leads him to the Starbucks and looking at the security camera. I'm getting ahead of myself, but did you get the sense? It's kind of like an unraveling a murder mystery kind of book? No, I,
0: I, once you said that, I, I totally agree that, you know, if you think about, as is Flynn trying to like mimic or do, not mimic, but... You know, he had he did his born book in the third option, right? And so in this mm-hmm. one, he's doing like a a murder mystery type thing. You're you're talking about uh, where the pieces are all there, even though the reader may know all of them from the beginning. Slowly does he release more things, and then at the end, you get like this full picture. So
1: yeah, interesting.
0: So, right, there's six months between the explosion at the end of the prelude and right. the, beginning of, the beginning of chapter one, and boy, do we get a bombshell. Irene and Skip meet this, like, Republican senator, right, or congressman, whatever, who has this information and gives him these pretty explicit photos of the now president-elect's wife.
1: Oh, the uh, campaign manager. That's right.
0: No, I it's
1: think... – uh, Is he a campaign manager? I think he was the campaign manager oh, doing for the opposition research for the other guy, for the Republican. Yeah. And he got opposition research on Alexander and his wife, which were some pretty illicit photographs.
0: Yes. And these photographs are going to be key in understanding why someone, you know, again, building these small little details uh, further and further, understanding yeah. why someone would want to target the second limo.
1: And Kennedy holds that information you know, close to her chest. She's not going to put that out there. So Skip on the FBI is the only one who knows about it, but he has no leads to track down. Kennedy knows this. And the whole time, everyone is thinking it's got to be Al Qaeda or some foreign terrorist. There were even some memos saying the terrorists wanted to disrupt the election. And so everybody at first, even rap throughout this whole thing, before we find out, uh, he finds out who Gazic is, he's thinking, you know, the Arab fundamentalists have to be behind this, right? But Kennedy's photographs about this scandal and the wife cheating is going to play a role in saying, no, maybe the person who ordered this hit is not necessarily a foreigner, but might have actually more involvement in the government from the inside. I feel like these photographs sort of build a little bit of attention because it's something that Irene knows,
0: but she needs to tell Mitch. and But Mitch is like, later on, he's like, Staying away from Irene and the CIA, and but so he, he needs this this crucial. It's like a it's like the key he needs that she holds, you know, type to put everything together. So it it's there. Yeah, we get it so early, yet you know, Mitch doesn't know until
1: much later, right? So true. Speaking of Mitch, though, we're the Mitch Rep podcast. Let's get into his role in this book when he's finally called back. And Chris, you brought up something interesting to me. We do get a little hint of what's been going on post Consent to Kill with Mitch. How did you feel Vince handled the heaviness of where Mitch was at the end of Consent to Kill and bringing him back into this book?
0: So I think me and you disagree on this. I wanted not a two to three paragraph explanation away. I I wanted like half the book on the bender. What Mitch has been doing since you know being on that beach and tossing the gun into the into the wake right I wanted that I was craving that i I felt a little bit left down here uh just getting this you know boom quick 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 explanation, and then he saw like this news on the television that the president got exploded, and then boom, he like snapped back in. that's fine, like that he snapped back in, but I don't know i I wanted a couple of chapters diving deep into Mitch's psyche, oh, almost like what we get a little bit in American assassin with like the whole, I forget the psycho, the psychiatrist or psychologist names, whatever. I know who you're, t- John Lewis, uh, Lewis, you know, jo- yeah, Lewis, Dr. Lewis. Yeah, that's what it is. Dr. Lewis. Yep. That's it. You know, those scenes we got where he's trying to penetrate and I mean, obviously we, we get it in a couple of chapters that Brooks wants him to go to therapy. Uh,
1: and that's not going to happen. But I don't know. What, what did you think? Like, I was OK with it. Uh, I think I had a, a bit of a different feel than you because I was kind of glad we got it and it was pretty quick. And then we're back to rap being you know, drawn into the game. So he's <laughs> basically he goes on an opium binge in Bangkok, had a few uh, women he was involved with in oh. different countries. It made him feel worse about himself. You know, we do get little descriptions like that. But I appreciate how he turns on the TV one night in, boy, where was he? Calcutta. You know, you're kind of in nowhere, India. Realize you've you've been on an opium binge, you're sleeping around, you feel even worse about yourself. But what does it take to to get rap right back into the game? A terrorist hit. Like the presidential motorcade blew up weeks before an election. To me, that's enough to watch rap clean up his act, snap back into it, get on a plane, and immediately want to get down to business and do what he does. So I, I was okay I mean, with that. I'm, I'm going to pick nits here, but what if you,
0: instead of having that, you jump to a chapter where you describe like this woman laying in a bed and then a description of Mitch, and then he takes a hit well, <laughs> of whatever – and then the news plays out on the TV. And then, like, you actually like get it in a chapter form as opposed to, like, this like
1: exposition almost of it. I, I If we're watching a movie, yes. You have to have that cutscene. There's smoke up in the air. The camera pans down. Woman There's rolls like, oh, over. Half, half naked woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rap is so groggy. Looks at the alarm clock. Is like, oh, shit. Rubs his eyes. Yeah, you're right. In the writing, I don't think I needed that. I got enough of it to be planted in my mind. I'm thinking about it as on the screen, as I often try to do with these novels. That's true. So, no, that's yeah. true. That that would be a very powerful scene. I think I felt that way because I kind of, in my mind, was like oh shit, he's on an opium banger? He's waking up in the middle of Calcutta? I'm like whoa. To me, that was enough of a description to uh, pique my interest. I, I
0: think if you do the movie you don't do the prelude because the movie would be better if you don't know who killed it, who who like does the explosion. You you just have that you have Mitch on this bender and then boom news comes across and he's like, what the hell is happening? You know? And then he has to sort of get out of it.
1: Sure. I, I think the opening scene though would be agent Rivera really strong character, just how she's walking and handling herself. True. Yeah. I agree with that. But then she gets a cranky secret service agent who's like more of this shit. And he's talking back to her and she like get your ass in the car protect your protectee, get her to the destination, get out of there, and then boom, the motorcade blows up. To me, that would be a hell of a you know cold open. And then in, you cut to Rap waking up.
0: In reading this novel, this would be a really good one to turn into a movie. This would be a great movie. I agree. An easy,
1: easily adaptable screenplay, I feel like. I agree. Absolutely. And I think the next scene we should get into, because Rap's back in the game, and again, devil in the details, let's lead up to this scene in Cyprus, Limassol, Cyprus. And how the heck does Rap track a single guy from almost no intel about this hit to Cyprus? Well, takes our boy Marcus DeMond. Rap is also working with other intelligence agencies, and he's asking for, do you know somebody who, and there's a couple of descriptions Rap is able to narrow it down. Do you know somebody who is capable of doing this professional hit, leaving no traces behind, but also dumb enough to take a contract on an American president or a presidential candidate's motorcade? So he's thinking it must be someone out of the mainstream, not one of the top-tier assassins who's active right right now, kind of like a second-tier guy on a list that maybe hasn't been active lately.
0: Yeah, like Louis Gould.
1: He was the height of his game.
0: Claudia even says, like, heads of state, kind of untouchable unless the price is right, you know, and they wouldn't do it for $2 million, you know?
1: No, absolutely not. I think they yeah. wouldn't even take the American president. He would have turned it down. Uh,
0: they had to think about taking yeah, Mitch Rapp, you know, like,
1: why are they going to take, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, but. It's no, interesting. I, but Gazich is working in Africa. Like, that's his thing lately. So Rapp was right. He's not one of the top guys. He's taken hits in sub-Saharan Africa, He's making money and he has this like cover business that is making bank off of international humanitarian aid contracts. So it's like and that's where he's Alexander Dekas, which is his alias as a alias. Greek national running this humanitarian organization to, to, to kind of make bank. And then Rap saying, OK, if there was no trace of these guys, it's got to be a small team, three men at the most, more likely one or two and then he he's still thinking it must be terrorists so he's thinking they don't mind making money or taking money from anybody and so deck it's the fact that he's ripping off you know developing communities and taking international aid and humanitarian funds rap knows this is a guy who isn't just going to take clean money he's going to take dirty money so he could have been hired for a hit like this i think it's the french the dgst and other uh, no it's a turkish turkish intelligence service you know rap has all his contacts who says, I think we know a couple of guys that fit your description, and one of the names is Alexander Dekas. And so Rap goes and tracks some people down. Meanwhile, Marcus is reviewing the Starbucks tape, and he has facial recognition algorithms, which back then was probably the new thing to, to start doing. And I love this description about devil in the details. The assassin's good enough to have the red cap over most of his face, blocking it from the camera's. But Rap says he doesn't even need to see the face. What was more important to him was that he got to see how the assassin moved. His body language, how he carried himself. So the Starbucks footage would help Rap later identify when he sees somebody working undercover, if they have the same movements, the same body language. I thought that was really smart. And then the last thing that got them to Cyprus was he ordered a double espresso, which... I, maybe back then at Starbucks, people weren't doing their fancy drinks. He's like a straight double espresso. It's got to be someone from the Eastern European or Mediterranean uh, areas, and he starts tracing down these leads in the region. Right, and uh, you
0: missed one, one thing that Rap immediately knows that it's not a terrorist because, well, one, they would there would be like a body or whatever. But this whole thing about how Rivera saw him behind a tree. Yep. And Rap goes to the the scene of the crime and sees that, oh, that would be the exact place that I would choose to stand if I was going to, yep. you know, do the same bomb. And so he knows it has to be some sort of player, some sort of yep. assassin, you know. A terrorist not, not would just have made like, a video exactly, standing in the middle of the street, Allahu Akbar, you know, and put it up everywhere. So it's like a combination of all those details yep. with the help of Marcus that they're able to bring him to be sitting across from this cafe uh,
1: waiting for this Decas guy. Yep. Cool scene from here on out. Limassol, Cyprus, uh, this cafe wraps up in a hotel. Well, actually, he's at the cafe, and he's scouting it out with Agent Brooks. Is that uh, his new partner here? Yes. Brooks. And I like how they're undercover as um, a married married couple on the honeymoon. And although she's genuinely pissed about how rap is demanding to her and, you know, not opening up at all, not really being a true partner in terms of professional work and being chummy. And she gives it to him and it fits the cover because if they're a honeymoon uh, on a honeymoon, uh, they might also be fighting. And so he's like, don't make a scene. And she's like. I'm yelling at you saying, I should have never married you. Well, that fits the cover pretty well and throws a glass of wine in his face in the middle of this cafe. So she's both undercover doing that, but she's also seriously pissed at him. Yes. That, that was, that was, that was a funny scene. That was pretty fun. But so she's out of the picture now. She's not helping rap. And that's the exact moment where rap sees some fishy stuff. Some guys down the block sitting in a car with eyes on the cafe. And when he goes to his hotel room later, he watches one of these guys come out of the car, whisper something to the cafe owner's uh, ear, you know, this old man, and slip money into his pocket. And so Raps like shit. After chasing down all these leads, somebody else is looking for the same guy I'm looking for. There must be something to that,
0: right? And and at this point, Raps on his own,
1: and he's
0: yeah. he calls Scott, tells him that he needs to you know hurry up and get there. I think Scott was on his way, but he's been held up at the airport for some reason, and obviously Brooks just stormed out. So this then leads to what we're going to see over the next couple of chapters, that Rap is on his own and has to make quick decisions because he doesn't have backup, And but he thinks that this could be the guy based on what he's about to see. You know, So Gazich comes in, riding high after the kill, does a quick little phone call to that cafe owner you just mentioned. And they obviously have some sort of system set up where he can tip him off. Yep. Gets the tip off that someone's watching him. So he comes in super attentive and you're like, Oh, who's watching him? Well, it's not rap. It's the, these Russians. So Gadget it strolls up and proceeds to kill one of the Russians that is sitting in the car. And rap meanwhile is watching all this. And it's the fact that Rap sees this that he he then starts to put into pieces. Oh wait, this is the guy, you know. Yep.
1: This is who we're looking for. I need to get him now, right? Yeah. The Russians too. So Rap is like, I gotta come away with at least one of these guys alive, get intel from them and interrogate them. One of them has already been killed by Gazic in this car. He sees it's kind of cool here because he notices Gazic again. ...on the rooftop of another building nearby. And even though Gazich's apartment... ...registered through this fake company in this business... ...is above the cafe... ...Rap is smart enough to scan the skyline... ...and see a guy pop up on another building... ...and he starts jumping roofs. So Rap's like, oh shit, somebody's after him. He's on the run for some reason. And Rap's like, I gotta get him before he gets out. While he sees two more Russians going into the cafe... ...who are gonna intercept him in the apartment... So now he's got the cafe owner who he doesn't know if he's in on the on the game. He somehow was involved and tipped off Gazich. Two Russians going up and he's got Gazich, this pro- Gazich, the professional assassin. And rap knows he's got to take one of them alive, at least with no backup. Brooks is gone. Harveth is uh, Harveth. Oh, my God. Scott <laughs> Coleman's <laughs> Scott Coleman. I got black ice on my mind. Um, Scott Coleman's tied up at the airport. Rap goes in to take him. He's got a pretty elaborate scheme. He he gets up the staircase, goes through the cafe, is able to kill one of the Russians in the hallway or the stairwell. He drags him into another side room. Then he goes to listen in the main room, and he definitely hears Gazich, Gazich with the other Russian, and it sounds like he's interrogating him, like, who are you, why are you watching me, why are you after me? So rap has got a lot to deal with. Eventually, the old man from the cafe comes up. So now Rapp's got to incapacitate the old man, and he doesn't think he's guilty of anything. He's just the landlord, you know, for this apartment where Gazich lives. So he ties him up and says, look, you'll get out of here alive if you work with me and drag this Russian down the hallway and hang out. You know, essentially, he sidelines them. Oh, and it was funny because Rap is deciding what to do with the Russian, who keeps just screaming, yeah, untie me, I I work for a fellow You know, intelligence service, let me go. I'm so glad you're here. And Rap says, or Flynn writes, Rap leveled the pistol at the Russian's groin. All three green dots lined up in a row. Shut the fuck up or I'll blow your balls off. Groin injuries could be messy, really messy. Lots of blood and lots of pain. <laughs> I just love that, how Rap quickly decides what he he might want to do with this Russian who just won't shut up. Then this is awesome from rap. He's outside this door and he's ready to go in. He knows he needs one alive. He actually takes out the, um, supersonic rounds from his pistol. Yes,
0: I love this part. Yeah. Be-
1: yeah. He's like, if I use this and it goes through any sort of armor they're wearing, I could kill him. I need a slower bullet and it's going to make noise. That would tip off other people if there are more Russians around. So for a bunch of reasons, Rap is smart enough to change out his mag to these slower bullets that will be less impactful and make uh less noise. Yeah, it's
0: this whole scene and we get a one of the things I wanted to bring up here is I feel like we get a great extended cut of this entire Lima Soul scene from most of the time in the Mitra books or the Vincent books, we're going from like One chapter is in DC, one chapter is with rap, one chapter is with the villain who could be in a completely third different city. You know, we're jumping around a lot. Here, we are jumping, if we are jumping around, we're going from Gazage, who's across the street, to rap. To the cafe owner, to rap. To the cafe, yeah. yeah. And I think we actually even get three rap-centric chapters in a row, which is, I, I can't remember ever getting that, really.
1: Yeah. And I, it makes I really, the scene. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, i was just gonna say it, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It makes the scene complete in a sense that we don't often see rap operating. I think one of the only cutscenes is probably the last storyline we'll talk about, what Ross is doing uh, to schmooze it up with, you know, the uh, the bankers in Switzerland and the environmental community. But that might be the only cutscene from this whole thing. We we get yeah. everything we just described to you boom back to back to back it's it's pretty awesome to to have that for once
0: yeah and one of the other things you mentioned uh, we mentioned details is right before Rap goes into this room to get Gazic, he literally can visualize how the room is laid it. out he previously when he was over in the hotel watching marcus called him and gave him important intel that oh gazich was a sniper and it this causes him to back up from the from the window cuz he's like oh shit yep. uh that's right and then he uses that information to figure out all right, this guy's a sniper, probably has a desk, a credenza, whatever, but it's going to be positioned here because he's a sniper. He's always thinking about angles and trajectories and yep. shit like that. So he knows when he comes in where he's going to have to be looking. I really love the descriptions that Vince gives us here. And then, boom, comes in, working alone, has to take out, sees that guy is just trying to get information from this Russian. It has to act quickly. And Mike, I want you to describe... You were talking about this earlier. I want you to describe yeah. this whole uh,
1: crucifixion scene, as Irene <laughs> calls it later. Yeah, Irene's like, why'd you crucify him with four bullets? And I mean, that's going to come in the next part, but Rap's going to take a lot of flack for what happens in these next, I guess what would be like five seconds of live time, but probably over a couple of pages. And so I went back to reread it, and I I wanted to see the detail, and that's why this theme stood out to me, because later in the book, it's going to be super key. What happens in these next couple of pages is super key. Rap swings the door open, and it's so cool. He knows to sweep with the motion of the door, you know, because if the door only opens 45 degrees, you have at least a little protection. And then as the door opens, he sweeps the gun with the opening of the door. And when it's about 90 degrees open, he sees Gazich, and he sees a gun in hand that's moving from the Russian up to him. So he shoots his hand, gets him to drop the gun. Rap actually assesses here while his window of vision opens up, you know, as the door goes past 90 degrees, he has a fuller point of view. The Russian is incapacitated. It looks like, you know, Gazic, you know, took care of him. And so that's not a threat. So he scans back to Gazic and he sees he's still standing even without his gun, but he starts reaching for it. And so then Rap kneecaps him, hits him in both knees. Gazic doesn't quite go down right away. Gazic is acting as if he can still reach for his gun when he realizes his legs aren't working, and that's when he falls to the ground. Rap actually puts his gun down so that it's perpendicular to the floor. He's not pointing it at anyone as he reassesses the situation. I mean, he shot the guy three times. However, in that split second, He sees Gazich go for his gun about four inches away from his other hand, his good hand, his last remaining limb, and Rap deliberately thinks, This guy's just not going to give up. I'm acting alone. He raises his gun again and says, I've got no other options but to fully incapacitate all four of his limbs. Hits his other hand right when it's an inch away from picking up his gun. So Rap is doing what he's got to do. He's taking care of business. He's on the ground. He's the professional. And now he's getting a little bit more control of the situation.
0: Yeah. And I think this is crucial to think about here because from Irene's perspective or anyone else, like let's say the FBI's perspective, you could totally see rap interrogating this guy and slowly shooting him for, you know, for Did you torture him?
1: Kind of thing. That's,
0: that's what they're thinking. But in the moment, rap's not doing this addictively. Rap's not doing this
1: out of pleasure. He's staying
0: alive. It's, it's purely, you know, he's by himself, he's doing what he's trained to do, and he incapacitates the guy. You know, he do- doesn't kill him, doesn't kill him. He needs to get information from him, right? He could easily have just done a headshot and taken him out from not even opening the door. He could have, So, yeah. I don't know. It, it, these, these minute details, that's why I loved your theme you came up with, you know, the devil and the details here, is very crucial for this entire story.
1: And that's going to pay off in the second half big time when the politicians back at home, including this new guy. We're not sure what to think of him yet. Alexander, you know, wants to put him on trial. And it's like, would a confession hold up if you had four bullet holes in you and, you know, you were making a confession or is that considered torture? And if you try to pursue in a court of law a case against this guy, what's it going to look like? You know, the whole FBI put together a file versus the CIA black ops, you know, do what you got to do. And that's going to play a role in the political arena in the second half of this book. So I guess one transition point here to get us ready for the next half is we find out this thing goes a bit deeper than we thought. There's a yes. bit of a deep state element going on here. Rap is tracking down leads. He's trying to figure out why Gazich did this and who hired him and, you know, who the, the Arabs are that he's taking money from yet. Over in Switzerland, our friend Mark Ross. Now, now you're right, President Elect Ross is schmoozing it up. uh, Vice President Elect is schmoozing it up with this very flamboyant banker in Switzerland. Uh, We get a couple of scenes about what the banker is into in his uh, personal life. Some s and and m and some other, you know, erotic and exotic uh, showcases. But anyway, Ross is schmoozing it up with this guy and he takes him into his wine cellar. And a little note here is that they sideline, I think it was Agent Brown. Yeah. The uh, agent assigned to in the Secret Service to protect Ross. And they say, we're just going to be a minute. We're going down in the wine cellar. And they completely leave him out of the picture, knowing that, you know, the the protectee can't be out of his line of sights. And Brown is stuck at the top of this elevator like, shit, they just disappeared. Uh, so it's once again friction that Ross is not going to be kind to law enforcement and the intelligence and military once he's the big dog. But they meet a friend in the wine cellar lurking in the shadows, Green. And this guy, Cy Green, is kind of putting the, the screws to Ross saying, hey, you better come through with you know, our deal. Ross promised him a pardon in exchange for the hit. Stu Garrett and Ross were involved in getting the hit on Alexander's wife and they were going to promise a pardon to Green. So he's an American citizen who's been exiled and, you know, is on the most wanted list. And they were going to secure a pardon for him as part of the deal for taking the hit. Yep. And
0: that's going to lead us into the whole machinations of trying to figuring out. Who is this like, green guy? or well, we kind of know who he is, but like, how deep is everybody involved? And then this, the this small detail that so, once Rap incapacitates Gajic, he calls he calls um, Scott, gets him to come, calls Irene. And There's this interesting thing where like he says he can't trust his own people because all the leaks. So yes, like he buys like a right. cheap burner phone and and chucks it out and doesn't say a lot on the phone. Gets a plane, or is able to get a plane. They're able to uh, bring back one Russian and uh, Gazich. On the plane, though, uh, he gets sidelined by the president, the outgoing president, being a little bit overzealous yeah. in saying, we got this guy. And now Alexand- he tells uh, Hayes tells Alexander they got the guy who killed his wife, and Alexander wants to put him on trial. And yeah. this sends rap into, like, what the fuck are you guys the like, The frenzy. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that whole action with Hayes and Alexander puts in motion what's going to happen and take us through into the next uh, part of this yep. uh, book, where Rap now, like, okay, I need to get information out of with tor- <laughs> tortures him slash withholds morphine from him. He squeals like a pig. And that's where we get this minute detail that right before the explosion, he got the, okay, take the hit second. Hit the second limo. Hit the second one. And Rap's like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if uh, Rivera switched the limos, you know, stuff like that. So some they had to have, they had to have had a spotter looking at the limos, right? Yeah. Rap gives up Gazic to Brooks, tells him to take him to the FBI. Meanwhile, he is, goes off, and we're, we'll talk about it next time, goes off to be with Marcus and f- oh, potentially figure this out. Yeah. So we're left pretty much with Gazich is supposedly back with Brooks in CIA custody. She's um, taking him in. She's taking him in. Ross has just met with Green, has, is coming back to the uh, United States, yeah. has this whole pardon problem when he gets confronted by Stu Garrett, uh, who's not happy about that. And then finally, Brooks meets with a couple of the top brass at the CIA, and they want to know what the hell Mitch Rapp did. And that's the end yeah. of the first half.
1: And where is he? It's like that scene when she was convinced to bring in Gazic; Rap had to talk her into it. Right, because she she was mad at Rap about how he was operating in the field and being kind of you know a prick, and she walked out on the operation and she's like, "We're not going back. We got to go report in. Like you got to come and we got to take Ozic." And they said they want to put him on trial and we're bringing him back, and Rap convinced her and says, "If you trust me, there's something fishy going on here. Tell them you don't know where I am," and Brooks ends up trusting rap even though she just reamed him out and said you're fucked up you need to go to therapy yeah you got to see a shrink yeah she literally very few people have talked to rap like that it felt a little out of character for me but she's spot on she's like you got to talk to somebody about this shit you've been through stop feeling bad for yourself and want everybody to feel bad for you about your wife and everything and you just end up being an asshole to everybody she's like you're fucking mitch rap go talk to somebody figure it out man up and she's like you don't want to see a shrimp because you don't want to be seen as, as weak. And being seen as weak is the worst thing that could possibly happen to Mitch Rapp. And she's like, well, get over it. But in the end, she knows he's good. And she says, sure, I'll trust you on this one. So she brings in Gazich and, and I love this part. I think, it is it Hackett or Strobel? I think it's Strobel. Dan Strobel shows up at the airport wearing a maintenance worker's uniform. And he's able to do a bait and switch. They put two vans back to back. They slide Gazich's body into one van, and Rap goes into the other van, and so anyone who was watching them wouldn't think anything shady went on because this airport worker just did that. And meanwhile, Strobel drives Rap and the Russian out of Dodge, out of town, and Brooks and Gazich take off in the other van to go turn themselves in and report back at Langley. So, kind of, I love that airport scene. I can imagine on, on the tarmac, you know, just a maintenance worker driving up in a truck or whatever and they're up offloading packages and they're offloading boxes but they do this bait and switch to get rap out of the picture and the russian they're going to disappear the russian you know no one knows they have a second guy who is somehow involved and rap thinks i can maybe get information from him and figure out who is watching gazich who's you know what's their insurance right. policy so they're not tied to gazich they hired these russians who turned out to be belarussians to take them out yeah, we got a lot to unpack still in
0: part two. The rush the Russian in the end is probably more important than Gazic exactly. didn't know who actually hired him, right? But the, the Belarusians will know who hired them. Yeah, the Gazic pretty much gives up all of his information that he has yeah.
1: during that one scene on in the airplane, so Gazich is oh, he even admits I was the guy with the red hat. I was in Starbucks, I bought a double espresso, I had the red hat, I hide, hid behind a tree. He pretty much gives himself up and he says, but I'm just as confused as you. Why did they tell me to hit the second limo if that wasn't the candidates? If I want, if my boss, the people who hired me wanted me to hit the candidates, why'd they tell me a second limo? And him and Rap, even, he's got four bullets in him and Rap's withholding morphine. They're kind of on the same page there for a quick second. Yeah. They're both like, wait, you, you didn't do this? And then Gazich is like, wait, you, you don't know? about this and they were both like what the fuck is going on here who wanted to kill the president-elect's wife right yeah no it's it's like a it's a very um enlightening moment for rap you know yeah exactly that's when he starts moving away from this idea of islamic fundamentalists
0: yeah and i need to also distance myself from whoever you know who could be involved in this and i need to figure that out right
1: Someone in the inside, someone involved or had a stake in changing the election. And, and that's ultimately the role that why Stu Garrett wanted to do this, because he's the political operative. He knew they were way behind in the polls. He knew they had no way of winning. And so he knew getting the sympathy vote with killing off Alexander's wife will do two things. It will get them the sympathy vote, turn the tide of the election, but two, it would prevent the scandal from getting out. Because if the scandal that she was sleeping with her Secret Service, you know, pre- uh, protective detail got out, that would also tank the election for them. And so Garrett thinks he's smart by ordering this hit and tying up two loose ends to secure the election, which looked like a long shot for them. There's a lot going on. I I really like this book. I Yeah. I didn't think I liked it when I started reading it, but I really like it. It's good. Yeah, like, this is an intricate plot that happens in a short number of pages, but it gives you something to think about. Like, this is this was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it, too. And I can't wait to unpack it. I already jumped ahead a bunch in, in this episode, just getting excited for part two. No, definitely.
0: We have more time to talk about the the covers and the winners and losers, stuff like that next time, so...
1: You know what else we do in part two? Covers, winners and losers, and I didn't have it ready this time, so... got to give us your limerick. For a double limerick. Exactly. So lots more to come, even though we we gave away some of the goodies in part one here. Yes. All
0: right. So, yeah, we'll be covering part two of Act of Treason next week, so look out for that. Uh, We need to definitely thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., and our special agents, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, and Jeff. I said it at the top, but I'll say it again. Please subscribe, rate, and review us using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us online at mitchrabpod.com or using our Twitter and Instagram handle at mitchrabpod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Disclaimer: This podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon Schuster, although we thank them very much for their content. The music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks. Boom, baby.